This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Art of Charm podcast, where we break down the science of powerful communication and winning mindsets so you have the cheat code to succeed with people. Every episode is jam-packed with actionable steps to unlock the hidden superpowers inside of you. Level up with us each week by listening to interviews with the best in business, psychology, and relationships. We distill thousands of hours of research in the most effective tools and the latest science so you can start winning today. Let's face it, in order to be seen and heard, your communication needs to cut through the noise, and we're going to show you how. I'm AJ, successfully recovered introvert, entrepreneur, and self-development junkie. And I'm Johnny Zubak, former touring musician, promoter, rock and roller, and co-founder here at The Art of Charm. And for the last 15 years, we've trained thousands of top performers and teams from every background. We have dedicated our lives to teaching men and women all they need to know about communication, networking, and relationships. You shouldn't have to settle for anything less than extraordinary. Today, we have Nedra Tawab with us. Nedra is a New York Times bestselling author, licensed therapist, and relationship expert, especially when it comes to setting boundaries. Today's episode is packed with simple strategies to speak your truth, guard your time, and build better relationships. As someone who struggled with people-pleasing, it was great to hear Nedra break down how to communicate more effectively with the ones we love and draw boundaries fearlessly. Her philosophy is that missing boundaries and a lack of assertiveness are the underlying problems of most relationship issues. And her new book is titled Set Boundaries, Find Peace, a guide to reclaiming yourself. And it's all about speaking up for what you need to create those healthy relationships. Welcome to the show, Nedra. So I noticed in reading the book that my environment that I was raised in had continued into adulthood and it caused some issues. And so now that I look back at it, I would uh, love for you to share with our audience why you wrote the book on boundaries and what it means to reclaim yourself. I believe that we naturally have healthy boundaries and in our child rearing and learning from adults, we are taught that it's not okay to have boundaries. We are taught that saying no is mean, that you have to almost be a people pleaser. Many of us are raised to be people pleasers and then told, go into the world and be assertive. <laughs> 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 Tell people what you think. Stand up for yourself. And we come from households where we could not stand up for ourselves, where we couldn't tell our parents, our teachers, our family members what we actually thought or what we wanted. So it's a very interesting concept to be raised to be permissive and then told once you turn 18, now go be assertive. In my household, there was a rule when I was um, a teenager 
And basically, summer vacation, the rule was if my dad had come home from work and had found me in the house, that meant that I had nothing to do. So then my dad would give us chores to do. So in order to escape the chores, I always had something to do. I was always gone. I was always outside the house. And because of that, I had to entertain myself. So I had become incredibly independent. And in reading your book, I was now realizing how that rule and how that independence that I had trained myself with to get out of chores affected the way I deal with people in my own life. And I'm incredibly independent. And a lot of times I have to let people in. Yeah, it, it sometimes when we are in this space of doing everything for ourselves, we no longer allow people to jump in and help us. But there is really no such thing as independence because to be human is to be dependent. Now, parents, it sounds like your parents in particular, they have this idea that doing nothing means that you should be doing something. But it's so interesting how the move, the world is moving towards rest, doing nothing, taking it easy. We're having to teach people this because you were taught, be busy, go do stuff. Why are you laying there? And I, I remember some of that too. My grandfather would say, why are you taking a nap? It's like, because I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm napping. I'm not doing it for fun. <laughs> but yeah, there has to be this sort of allowance for people to do nothing, even children, just to rest. Because that overactivity, we are now seeing a lot of anxiety. We are seeing people who don't know how to be in the presence of others because they're so used to getting busy and being busy. Um, how do we slow that process down? and now allow people in. What's so funny about that anecdote is growing up for me, I was always overachieving in school and in all these activities, trying to prove myself to my dad. And then I would come home and I'd be given chores. And I would say, just let me relax a while. Just let me breathe a little bit and then I'll start the chores. And it became such a catchphrase that he would tease me for. He had a shirt made that said, just let me relax a while. <laughs> and he gave it to me. And that was my excuse of trying to get out of chores. But that same thing, not learning boundaries, wanting to please him, wanting to make sure that not only did I achieve at school, but then I was achieving in the household, became very hard for me to speak up assertively. And in, in a lot of the way that I approached dealing with my family members, it was impolite to speak up and say, no, I, I can't eat anymore. No, I, I would not want to go do that right now. I just want to relax. That was just completely unacceptable in my household. And I would get scolded coming back from visiting extended family members when I did speak up around those needs. And I feel like that book really helped me see this pattern in myself. And now I am bringing it into adulthood, but I never would have connected it with boundaries. So could you share with our audience what you mean by boundaries for those who might be struggling to understand as well? Boundaries are lifestyle practices, choices that keep you safe and comfortable in your relationships, not just with others, but also with yourself. 
boundaries can be saying, you know, saying something like, I just need a moment to rest or even just taking that rest. You know, thank goodness for adulthood. A lot of times we are in control of what the boundary is. We don't have to say, you know, please let me do this thing, dad. Now it we're, we're, we're dadding ourselves. We're like, you need to go and have a seat Nedra. I am now talking to me as if I am my parent, you know, go to bed early so you can get up well rested, Nedra. So the table shift and we become the person who is now responsible for implementing those boundaries with ourselves. Well, I know we hear all the time that communication is important in relationships. And a lot of times when we aren't being assertive and communicating, we're not telling our friends, family members, or partners how we are feeling internally. It's very easy for them to walk over these boundaries. They're invisible. They don't know that we're feeling this way inside. And we leave a lot of people to mind read and try to guess. And oftentimes they'll just revert to their boundaries, what's comfortable for them. So how do you know that these boundaries are something that you need to start working on communicating? What are some of the signals or signs where uh, those in our audience who need to be more assertive can recognize, hey, maybe this is an area for a boundary for me? Our feelings tell us what we need to know when we listen and pay attention. When we're feeling anxious about certain interactions with people, anxious after we've said yes to something, is it a sign that it's something we don't wanna do? It could it be a sign that we've overextended ourselves when we are sad, when we are uncomfortable, frustrated, and in particular, burnt out. Oftentimes, when we are in need of healthier boundaries, we experience burnout. We feel like giving up on everything, just leaving the house and everything in it and running away. That is a sign that there are some boundaries that are needed. You know, I, I think of what you mentioned earlier about coming home from school and then being asked to clean the house. The adult version of that is getting off work and then having to cook dinner, do laundry, clean the house. It is it is a lot to manage as humans, all of the things that we have to do. If I were to write down all of the things on a sheet of paper, I would probably cry. <laughs> because it just, it's a get tires rotated, get teeth cleaned, clean the baseboards, change the filters. I mean, all of the things we have to do. In doing all of those things, it is so important for us to also make space to do nothing, to not have something to do every day after work and over busy ourselves with life. Well, it's funny. It reminds me of the phrase, it takes a village to raise a kid or a child. And it takes a village to raise adults too, to support us and all of these needs that we have. But if we're not communicating these needs, if we're not communicating, hey, I need to take a rest or hey, I can't be there to support you in the way that you're looking for right now. I know for myself, I was afraid of what people would say in response, that they wouldn't like me, that they would feel I'm not being a good friend, I'm being impolite. And all of these stories and narratives would come up around, again, the way I was raised. So I would often quiet that inner voice and, and not speak up to my needs and, and take on that extra task. Go help support my friend in need when really they need to see a therapist or they need to work through some things that I can't even fully support them on. So 
I think recognizing the emotions is step one and then actually communicating that effectively is another area that I struggled with. And I thought the book laid out some just fantastic examples of ways to do that. And even your social media accounts and following them, I'm always just nodding my head along like, oh, I wish I would have said this then in that situation where I, I didn't know how to say no. So if you could unpack some examples of these areas where these boundaries are now being crossed and and we need to communicate them, but maybe we've never learned how. I'm hearing a little bit of what to say when you've already committed and you want to uncommit. Sometimes we do say yes, and then we, we think about it and we're like, oh my gosh, I really can't do this. Or, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so overwhelmed if I do three things in one day. We start with, I know I committed to that and I took a look at my schedule and it will not work for me on this particular day. I know I said I'd be available to help you out, but in actuality, I have other things that I have to get done. We have to, without thinking about how we'll be perceived, we have to take care of ourselves. Because the the thinking about what the other person is thinking causes a lot of stress on what you could say, how you could protect them from that thought was the easiest way to say it. And really, we don't know. There have been many times where people have canceled on me. They have changed plans. They say, no, they can't help me. You know, a doctor calls and reschedules an appointment and I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm not upset. I'm not mad. I'm not creating social media posts about these people. You know, it's just like, oh, well, it's a part of life. You know, they got a flat tire. It is what it is. That's how I typically respond. Sometimes it does hurt my feelings. And then I think, you know, as a human, I understand that people can't do everything and things come up. So we can't assume that people will always be mad at us because in actuality, most of the time, they're not when we're honest. I think that also waters down our own identity. We can't be all things to all people. And we need to decide uh, what actions and behaviors that we want to demonstrate that represents who we are and how we maneuver or navigate the world around us. And so supporting our friends uh, when they're having events or whatnot and, and, and wanting to be a part of that, we'd love to be there for, for everything, but we just can't. And it shows up in, in our own frustrations. And when we get tired, uh, that's when our inner critic does a number on us. It has an opportunity to beat us up a little bit. We need to reserve our energy and so we can we can protect ourselves because our own worst critic is certainly ourselves and we're worried about what a friend might say if we can't make their event uh, that's nothing going to compare to what we're going to tell ourselves when we get when we get exhausted and and we allow the inner critic to take over well i have not and i'm not saying never but i haven't heard many stories of people being on their deathbeds and saying you know i wish i would have helped jake move you know, that's, that's, not, that's not typically. It's always Jake. <laughs> that's not typically what we think about. We think about our relationships with people, the people we love that we're leaving, those sort of things. But, oh, my gosh, I wish I could have went to that party in 1950. You know, it's I, I don't I don't think we're thinking about that stuff. You know, we 
have so many things to do as humans that, that doing one more thing could be that thing that really takes us over the edge. So there has to be not just compassion with ourselves, but with other people when they when they have boundaries, because other people can have boundaries too. They may want us to do certain things in the relationship for them. So the, the practice of boundaries requires a lot of of patience and compassion. What stands out to me, especially in that example, is many of us who aren't used to being assertive will will just end up ghosting, not showing up, not saying anything, and not realizing how much that actually hurts the relationship because it leads the other person to then fill in the blank instead of you just being open and honest and saying, I overcommitted myself. I'm stretched really thin at work. I'm not going to be able to make that event. We've all been on the other side where we were really hopeful someone would show up. They RSVP'd yes, and then they didn't show up. And now we're left wondering, like, do they not like me? We often don't think, oh, well, they just must have been busy at work or they are practicing self-care. We'll personalize it and say, oh, they, they don't want to show up for me. They must not like me. They don't value my friendship. And we hear from clients all the time who are worried about this phenomenon of ghosting. What does it mean that someone didn't respond or someone didn't show up and spend a lot of time and anxiety thinking about these things that we just can't control? So bringing that compassion to others, understanding that maybe they're not good at communicating their boundaries. Maybe they don't feel comfortable being assertive and that ghosting had less to do with you and more just them practicing self-care. I think that ghosting has a lot of anxiety in it. There is not a lot of compassion in our society for that because it's like, why would you ever ghost someone? Because they're afraid to talk. They're really anxious about speaking up. It can be really scary to say hard things. And so for the person who is ghosting, they may find it easier to leave a situation without speaking up for themselves because they don't really have to address it with you and deal with your reaction. Is it a kind thing to do? No, but is it an anxious thing to do? Absolutely, and many people do it because the fear of confrontation is very real. That confrontation, when it's continued to be avoided, just leads to even greater impact than addressing it in the moment. So I know for myself, I'm very conflict diverse. It's an area of focus and work myself with my therapist to speak up in those moments, to be clear with what's going on with me. So taking this example, you know, one of the things that we hear time and time again from our clients is, well, what if they are upset with me then for expressing this boundary or letting them know that I just can't make it? How do I handle that? How do I handle the potential conflict? Because that's what leads to many people ghosting in the first mm -hmm. place. Absolutely, that, that conflict. But how do we can't control another person's reaction? And that is the part that's challenging with all of the boundary stuff. I get so many questions about what is the easiest way to say, I don't want to come to your party. And it's like, I, hey, happy day. I don't want to come to your party. I think it, it's still going to be hard. I mean, you could be really happy and upbeat. You can smile and say it. But the end result is you saying, I cannot help you with this. I don't want to do that or I need this. That will still happen. And I don't know how we, you know, throw sugar on top of something that you think is going to be 
hard to hear for someone. Yeah, that point of being completely unable to control how someone else thinks, feels uh, in that situation is such an important reminder. Because looking for the easiest way, looking for the magic words to express this boundary, looking for ways that it'll have the least impact on the other person is still detrimental to your own self-care and will lead you down a path of not expressing yourself fully. For myself in those moments, if I don't want to go to an event or I'm a little bit tired and I, I can't be there to support and I maybe have said yes, I always have to ask myself, well, why is it? Now, do I have a, do I have a good excuse or am I just being lazy? If I don't have a good excuse, then I'm like, oh, I'm being lazy. I'm going to get my ass up and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to support my friend. But if I don't have a good reason, or if I, uh, if I do have a good reason, that way I can write them and I can let them know, hey, I would have loved to have been there. I know I said yes, but unfortunately, I have another obligation that has taken me out of the picture. I will definitely be there next time. My apologies. But, but again, if I can't come up with an excuse, then I realize what is going on. Do we have to have a valid reason to say no, not like something or not want to do something? I think it helps the situation. At least I'm working through my own my my own uh, cognitive distortions and biases about what I have to do and why I'm doing it. And trying to find the the, the why certainly makes those decisions easier. Um, in acceptance commitment therapy, one of the things that we've discussed is core values. Having an understanding of what those core values are and then being able to put boundaries around those core values so that you are able to stay focused. Because when you are set away from those core values, this is where a lot of anxiety be, uh, gets at you. And because you're not focused on the things that enhance life, that, you, that make life worth it for you. And so when you're outside of that, that's where a lot of people tend to feel that they're getting dragged around, they're, they're getting tired, they're spinning their wheels, they're not making progress because they're not focused on the things that allow them to feel good, that excite them for the day. And for our clients is to have an understanding of what those core values are to understand why they are so important to you and then to be able to protect them with designing boundaries. Core values are an amazing strategy for determining what your boundaries are. It is an amazing way to be considerate of your needs and to care about the needs of others. There are times when maybe one of our core values is to have a valid reason. And maybe the core value is to be able to excuse yourself when needed. We develop those and it's really based on what is important to us. It can be really challenging to say there is a one size fits all sort of way of, of needing to be with boundaries because there are times where you do want to give an explanation. I won't be able to come to your party because I have the a stomach bug, right? You may not want to just say, I won't be there. Bye. You know, it's like, no, yeah. I want, right. I want you to know because I care about this relationship. I will say it in situations where you have people who are combative, people who like to challenge your boundaries, 
telling them a reason or giving an explanation can be a way that they will try to talk you out of the boundary. Yes, you have the stomach, but, but you could just come here and sit down. You don't have to get up and do anything. You could just come, you know, you, you do have those oh, yeah. people that right. yes. when you give them the reason, they're like, oh, no, 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 that's not valid. Here's a here's something you can do so you'll actually be able to do this thing for me. So you have to be discerning about who you're giving explanations to. Well, since we're here, I guess we should talk about setting up these boundaries where we have to interact with people who we know push them and maybe family members, uh, maybe it is coworkers where we have been taken advantage of in the past. They expect certain things from us, but now perhaps we've become aware where not having these boundaries has led us astray. So we're going to firm that up and we're going to speak out a to this now. There are people who will constantly push against those boundaries and the boundaries are things for us to uphold. So if you have boundaries with another person, it's always really helpful to think about what are you doing to honor this boundary? If you've spoken about, I will not talk about politics with you, are you engaging in the conversation that you just said you don't want to have? <laughs> and we do that so often. We'll be like, they keep yes. talking to me about it. And you're talking to them about what you don't want to talk about. <laughs> Who has the boundary? If you have the boundary, when certain things come up, you will need to be the person saying, hey, I'm, I'm not talking to you about this. Thing. Hey, we've talked about this. Did you see that Geico commercial? I mean, you can bring up anything else, but this won't be it because we are not talking about this. How do you advocate for your boundary and not put it on this other person who doesn't want to have the boundary to always adhere to your rules? Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. When you described it earlier as a lifestyle choice, right, that, that give, puts power into your hands if you want to accept it. You are deciding 
whether or not to adhere to these boundaries. And as you mentioned, if, if you set up these boundaries, but, but you're the one breaking them, well, why is anyone else going to take them seriously? They're certainly not going to respect that. Um, and the other point that we should discuss as well is with family and coworkers and friends, it's not that these people are malicious. It is they know they can get away with it. Their life will be easier if they ask you to do it or if they push those boundaries because in the past you have obliged. So if it's easier for them to just push it off, well, that's going to happen. And I'll give an anecdote to this. Uh, A while ago, we had an open door policy for a lot of our employees so that they were able to reach us, get their questions asked and make sure that they were able to do the work that they needed to do. As any team leader, you want your, your staff to be able to access that. And, and we wanted to be as open as possible, but then we had realized that anytime that they had a question that they would take us up on that open door policy. And then the next thing that we had realized was, well, the things that we needed to get done weren't getting done because we're now busy answering everyone else's questions on on the staff and realized that (laughs) as nice as that strategy seemed on paper, it was being taken advantage of. So now that the boundaries would need to be put in place and What's important there is we weren't helping our employees by having an open door policy. We had trained them that any time that they were stumped to just come to us, which did not help them learn and develop and evolve for their roles. Absolutely. So perhaps the boundary on your end is making sure that people understand what they need to do and then giving them the space to do that. And when they come to you, referring them back to to their sales, you know, how have you thought about solutions for that? What did you come up with instead of saying, okay, here are all the things that I would do in this situation because a manager's job, a supervisor's job, a parent's job, and most humans' jobs is to work people out of, you know, needing you for total support. And so if you are continuously um, in that support role, they will come to you. If you think about it, stores even do that. When you go to the grocery store, there are huge signs that says bread, tea, you know, whatever in this aisle. Why? They don't want you going to everyone and saying, (laughs) hey, where is the bread? Hey, where is the tea? (laughs) They want you to look up and be able to go get it. And the only thing they want you to come to them for is for the things not listed on the sign because I've asked and it's been on that sign and they'll point right to that sign. Yep. Uh, It's right there on aisle eight. (laughs) It's like, did you read the sign? (laughs) Well, I think what's an important part of this for many who are struggling with boundaries is it's not even like people are going across them because they're malicious Mm -hmm. or because they're trying to harm you. Oftentimes it's completely invisible to them and they are just acting in ways that best suit them without thinking positively or negatively about you. And as Johnny said, it's often hardest to put boundaries around behaviors that we've conditioned others as acceptable in our life for months, years, even friends and family that we've known forever, they can be often the most challenging to set up new boundaries because 
we have had the open door policy for years. They have been able to hop on Slack at any hour of the day and tag me or Johnny and get that immediate response. And now all of a sudden we're saying, hey, we're going to have a stand-up meeting. Bring all your questions in that stand-up meeting so that the other seven hours of this day, I can actually get done what I need to get done. And we had to state that boundary a number of times. It's very easy when we've conditioned others on one behavior for them to just stick with it, to not realize, oh, you know what? We had a meeting about this last week and AJ and Johnny were clear in that meeting of what they wanted. Uh, I totally forgot about that. I just had this thing come up and I wanted to get it handled. So I did want to make that point. Oftentimes it's very easy to think, well, man, these people are, are really being rude. <laughs> I told them that I don't want to do this. I told them that I don't have time for them and they keep crossing this boundary. Uh, when in actuality, well, we've conditioned them for years that that was completely acceptable behavior. And just because we articulated it once or twice to assume that they're now going to change their behavior, remember, and instantly follow the boundary, it's just not realistic. So we are going to have to restate these boundaries. Absolutely. And that is the healthiest thing you could do for yourself is repeat your boundary. As humans, we do not follow rules consistently. I think about traffic lights, right? They have sent, you know, for as long as I've been alive, they've been on the streets. It's green, yellow, red. You know what these things mean. I think you figure that out by the time you're in first grade. You're not even driving. You understand green, yellow, and red, right? If we were to able, if we were able to always obey rules, we wouldn't have moving violations. We wouldn't have traffic violations. We're still running red lights. <laughs> <laughs> We're still getting tickets for driving through those yellows right on the brink of the rip. You know, like, so as humans, I'm not saying, you know, everybody is following rules. I'm throwing myself in there. There have been times when I'm not following every rule to a T. So you do have to repeat it. How do how does that happen in society? Consequences. How does that happen in relationships? Consequences. Sometimes when people aren't adhering to our boundaries, we have to issue a consequence. Hey, you have to be to work at eight o'clock. And some jobs, your job, literally, you're opening this business, you must be here at eight. If you're continuously late, you don't have a job anymore. Like that's the consequence. So in relationships, we have consequences. It can be, you know, in a friendship, I want you to come to my party and bring the cake. If you bring the cake late and then you bring it late again next year, you're not going to be my cake person because you're not reliable, right? Like you can't pick up anything because you can't even get here on time. Or maybe I won't even invite you. Like those are consequences that naturally occur and we have to not only repeat ourselves and don't think it's a silly thing to do we do it all the time from the time I was probably one to 18 I was told a gazillion times clean my room clean my room clean my room clean my room oh blah 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 
<laughs> there may have been 20 days where I actually cleaned my room on my own, but I was told for many years, clean your room. We repeat things over and over when they are important to us. And when we get to the point of, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of repeating myself, that is where the consequence comes in. Now, are there healthy consequences and unhealthy consequences? Absolutely. I think sometimes we issue things that are punitive and we can issue things that are a matter of safety. I think of speeding tickets as a matter of safety, you know, running lights, you know, somebody could be hurt there. So that is a matter of safety. In relationships, sometimes it can be, you know, I won't tell you things anymore because you share those things with other people. I don't think that's punitive. I think that's a self-protection when you want something to remain secret and you are speaking to someone who shares your secrets. That is the consequence of them not being able to keep that information to themselves. Now, I don't know if it's punitive to maybe say to this person, I will never talk to you again. I think that is personal choice. And I don't want to judge your reaction to a situation because perhaps there are other things that are there. I do believe in allowing people to be who they are. And if you want to be in relationship with them, you'll have to figure out how to work with that person and their personality. Some people can't keep secrets. I know tons of them. I mean, I'm, I'm in loving relationships with quite a few folks who cannot keep a secret, so I don't tell them a secret. <laughs> And you accept them for yeah. who they are. You know, many of us then want to take on this project of, okay, well, I'm going to not only draw this boundary, but now I'm going to work on changing this other person so that they can be able to hold this secret for me. And that's just not a healthy approach to no, boundaries. No, because people are who they are with you, with themselves and with other people. They're not singling you out to say, you know what? I just want to tell AJ secrets. It's like, no, some people really can't. They're not trying to be malicious. I have a family member and when she tells a secret, she says it like this. Don't say I said anything because they probably won't tell you yet. And then she'll <laughs> <proceed to> <laughs> And people get so upset. I told her so-and-so and she told us. I'm like, she doesn't keep secrets. Why are we telling her any secrets? I'm so confused. There is no way to get her to keep a secret. She tells secrets like it's secret. She's like, look, don't say anything. <laughs> now, are there moments when we've restated our boundary and we should decide that maybe this person isn't a good fit for our life? I know there's there's gradient to that, but are there clearer signs, for, especially for those of us who've struggled in the past to be assertive, when we can categorically say, you know what, this person just isn't right for me and the relationship that I need in my life? <sighs> yeah, I, I think adult relationships are a choice. And we choose to be in relationships with people and we can unchoose <laughs> to be in relationships with people. And I don't know what those parameters are for you. Now, for me, I don't tolerate any abuse. I won't tolerate any um violations that to me are detrimental to my health, to your health, to mental wellness, any of those sorts of things. 
sometimes um, people will remain in relationships that are abusive. They will remain in relationships where there have been some sexual violations or, you know, financial violations. And, and you may not choose to do that for your relationships, but it is all based on what our boundaries are and what we're willing to accept or not in relationships. So that is often a really tough question of, you know, should I cut this person off? Should I be done with this relationship? Because we leave based based on our values and when we are tired enough. My tired enough point might be different than yours. And so I can't say, you know, how many things I could take, but there may be some things that I don't tolerate at all and some things I tolerate a whole lot of. It really depends on our personal stories and what we want for ourselves. I think that's where it gets difficult for for most people. Uh, we dread loss and and loss is more powerful than anything that might be gained. So to end a relationship that may not be uh, healthy for us for the sake of keeping this person in our lives because, well, they do answer the phone and they do text me back, but perhaps they're not the best fit in a, in a relationship. We see this all the time. And it's when I discuss this with, with folks who complain about some of the people in their life and I ask why, uh, they're, they're terrified of a life without that person because they, they have adapted to it. And, it's certainly helpful to understand that as human beings, we're incredibly adaptive. We've lived in, in the harsher climates, atmospheres, and situations in history and have thrived. So to understand that this relationship isn't good, I've grown uh, and adapted to it, to where I can tolerate it, but it is, it is wearing me down. It is beating me up. Uh, it is emotionally wrecking me. And, and if that's the case, to, to, to draw a boundary where this is not going to happen anymore, I'm going to protect myself. Yeah, it, I feel we talk a lot about romantic breakups and we don't talk about friendship breakups, but they have the same impact on our lives. We've invested a lot with this person. We've shared tremendous experiences together. There were certainly highs that we feel really connected to. But as we grow and change and evolve and we start to recognize what our needs are and maybe we haven't communicated them clearly in the past, I think exactly that. It can feel better, safer to keep this person around even if they're continuing to break our boundary because the fear of being alone, having to go out and find new people, maybe not know how to do that, how to create new relationships in our life will lead us there. But there is a cost, right? There is a, a mental, emotional cost to us. And also, every minute we spend investing in this person, restating these boundaries again and again, is time that we can't spend looking for people who would respect our boundaries, who would be open to the communication support we're looking for. Friendships are tough for sure. And I think that you're right. There's not a lot of information about those relationships 
And the pain when those relationships do not work out is still severe. There is a grieving process. We are sad. Friendships certainly need a spotlight in terms of important relationship in our lives. You know, you have a lot of friendships that outlast romantic relationships and people break up with the friends. So, you know, it is it is a long-term relationship and it's certainly an intense one. And in friendships, we grow and change in who we are, particularly those really long friendship. And so having those difficult boundary conversations, I think of people who, you know, maybe had a party phase and now, you know, their friends are still in it and they want to be sober or mindful of certain things. Um, having those difficult conversations can be tough and it can impact friendships. Um, shifting from, you know, maybe being in a relationship and, and out of a relationship, that can change friendships. I mean, there are so many things that can shift our friendships, but what really helps is having those conversations and being upfront and not leaning towards the ghosting and saying, let's talk about this. This is really hard and difficult. I want this relationship for us to work. Um, how do we talk about how we're changing or how, you know, things need to be different for me? Yeah, not easy, but such a valuable conversation, especially when the other person might be feeling it too and unable to communicate or bring it up with us. Yeah. And I think that's what I found in, in me working on stating boundaries and, and working through my people-pleasing tendencies that my family instilled in me. Uh, and I've had to work through it with family, which is another dynamic that I think is very challenging for many of us. Friends, we feel definitely connected to. There's a fear of loss, but we often feel like we can't break up with family members. We, this is our, our parents. We owe them. You know, I think about culturally speaking, um, you know, oh, this person raised you. They invested in your education. They made all these sacrifices for you. And this feeling that we owe them because of the choices that they made will often lead us to difficult places in relationships with family members, not establishing those boundaries. So I'd love if you could just share with our audience a bit around dealing with family members who are unable or unwilling to to listen and respect our boundaries. In, in relationships, you know, we choose how we show up. We choose how frequently we want to talk to people, how often um, we listen to their advice, we, we choose what we share with them, all of those things. And those are important things to remember in family relationships. I think about people who say, my parents are always telling me what to do. And I'm like, how do they know what you're doing? How do they know that you need advice? <laughs> like, what are you saying to them? Have we thought about what you're saying? Because we can't change them. We can only change what you're putting into the relationship. If they have some inkling that you need help and you're telling them certain situations, I think we can stop telling them certain things so they can stop having <laughs> input. 
You know, there are certain things that, again, we can do that will change our relationship with other people without them having to really do anything different. If they don't have anything to go off of, you know, what can they say? Like, you know, they, they're all in my marriage. What are you telling them about your marriage? Like, how are they all in it? Like what's, what's being shared with them? That is so important and such a huge piece of what we forget because we're thinking these are my parents. This is my sister. This is my brother. I can say anything. I should be able to, perhaps it is us without the boundaries is not the other person. Culturally, some cultures more than others have challenges with setting those boundaries. Um, there is this sort of programming that happens to us within families. We are being programmed to think in a certain way, to exist in a certain way. And when we become adults, we are now responsible for the deprogramming of our childhood selves. And we are now trying to figure <laughs> out what information do we need to keep? What do we need to toss? What do we need to put in the back of our closets? And families sometimes have a hard time accepting you as an adult and seeing you as something other than little Nedra, little AJ, little Johnny. You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, 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 I know you, I am the parent, but really what's happening is you're developing a different type of relationship. You are adults. And the relationship that a parent has with an adult child should look different than the relationship they have with a child, just as it should be different from the relationship with a newborn, toddler, school age, teenager, the relationship shift. And so the boundaries should shift. There are times in families where there is no shifting of boundaries once someone enters adulthood. It's just like once a child, always a child, which is true. But now you're an adult child. You are, you have your own home. You have your own way of being. And some of the work of parents is to figure out how to relinquish that control and really step into more of a supportive role and not a management role. <laughs> yeah, I'm just hearing the phrase, I changed your diapers, then <laughs> going into everything that I need to know to survive as an adult. And oftentimes that unsolicited advice not being welcomed or what I'm interested at all. But exactly that, we find ourselves following these patterns in our relationships. And if we haven't been assertive and, and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to share that bit of information about my relationship, or I'm not going to let you come into my house and see how I've decorated it. We'll go out to eat. You know, these things, these, these opportunities where exactly that we aren't even aware that we're creating this opportunity. We're not creating a boundary around it. And then we will get frustrated. Well, why are they telling me what to do? Why are they treating me like a child? Well, if you run to them crying, like a child with all of your adult issues, of course, it's very natural for them to want to parent yeah, you. Yeah. There are some parents I've been, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting who understand that dynamic of shifting away from the 
telling my kids what to do and now into this more observational. So like, what do you need from me? What do you want me to do? Where can I help you? Um, is it okay if if I give you some advice here? Because the parent role for so long has been like this, go do this, go do that. You, you're late, I'm putting you on punishment, like all of these things. And it is the responsibility, not only of the parent, but also of the child, as you stated, to really shift the focus from from you telling me what to do to you being a supportive person in my life that I'm choosing to create. I that was a a huge realization for me just in the last year. You know, my my go-to was to feel that I needed to support them in all of their adult issues and almost parent them. Like I need to be the go-to to handle legal issues, financial issues, things that I'm not even an expert in. But I, I had this feeling that I owed them because of all the sacrifices they made for me. And it took me a while to finally speak up and be like, I can't help you with this. I don't know real estate contracting. I'm not the best at retirement planning. I don't know what I think would be the best investment for you at this stage in your life. And that was very difficult at first to speak up, but I've now found this sense of relief that you know, I'm stating what I do know about and what I don't know about and, and stepping away from that responsibility when it's not necessary for me to take it on. And I'm thankful that my fiance was able to point out some of these patterns because oftentimes we don't even realize that it's happening. And someone else in our life who loves us and sees, hey, is this really a bit of advice that you need to be giving your family? Do you even know that this is the best decision for them? It was really helpful and clarifying for me. Well, we thoroughly enjoyed your book. We recommend it to our clients who are certainly struggling with establishing boundaries. It's full of great examples, and we're thankful you joined us today. We love asking every guest of ours what their X factor is, what unique abilities or traits makes you extraordinary. I think my unique ability is being able to take complex information and simplify it. I love it. I would agree based on the book. And where could our audience find out more about the work that you do? I am active on Instagram at Nudra Tawab. I have a website filled with quizzes and worksheets that is also Nudra Tawab. And of course, I have the book Set Boundary Find Peace and the workbook, the Set Boundaries Workbook. Thank you so much for joining us, Nedra. wonderful conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. Johnny, I found her book fascinating with so many great examples for me to practically use in my own life and relationship with my family. You certainly were waiting for this interview, and I can understand why. Boundaries are one of those things that we all need to establish, and things go sideways when they're not drawn up and we don't adhere to them. Incredibly important subject. And I know from our X Factor meetings, boundaries come up at least once every, every week. That's right. And I loved her example of traffic lights. We have to be honest and restate our boundaries. You can't just set them once. Now, we got a huge shout out this week to our X Factor member, Tammy, for reaching a bucket list goal with her business. That's right, AJ. Tammy leveraged her social capital to land a feature article about her business in Men's Journal. You know, Johnny, nothing excites me more than X Factor members winning at Work, Love & Life. 
When you understand the power of social capital, you can begin to create opportunities in your life that leads to huge wins. Reaching out and pitching yourself can be challenging if you don't know your real value. That's right. And if you listen this far, my guess is that it's because you want more out of life and finally be able to succeed at love, work, and life. If that's the case, then join us, the entire Art of Charm team, and hundreds of people just like you who are experiencing breakthrough conversations, supercharging their confidence, and growing an incredible network inside of our world-famous X-Factor Accelerator program. The X-Factor Accelerator is where high-achieving, like-minded people meet, strategize, and unlock their hidden X-Factor to make sure that they get the most out of life's opportunities and to break down those doors keeping you from success. We start every month with a personalized goal-setting strategy session, so you have a plan of attack, as well as weekly implementation sessions with opportunities to practice your conversation skills that you learn here on the show, as well as rapport building, supercharge your charisma through powerful communication, and finally, unlock the charm to attract the right people into your life. Imagine what you can accomplish with coaching and mentorship with the art of charm. What are you waiting for? Join us today at unlockyourxfactor.com. That's unlockyourxfactor.com. All right, before we head out, a huge thank you to our producers, Michael Harold and Eric Montgomery. We hope you have an epic week. Yeah, I remember you.